All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. What up, y'all? It's Laia. And this week, we are traveling back, 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 back to June of 2020 <laughs> when we finally caught up with CeeLo Green. Yep, CeeLo Green. He talks about finding his voice, Goody Mob, Niles Barkley, and all the good stuff. It's so good that it's a two-parter. We know you love those. <laughs> As we cue that up for you, don't forget to make sure you check out our whole Dungeon Family series of interviews. Oh, yeah, y'all. From Organized Noise to my girl Joy to even Quest one-on-one with Andre 3000. Yup, it happened. So here is part one of CeeLo on Questlove Supreme. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Questlove Supreme. I'm Questlove here with Laia, Sugar Steve, Unpayville, and Fontigolo. Hey, yes, sir. how how bad do we miss our theme song? Oh, <laughs> it's Sometimes. just playing. In my, uh, just play it in your. Just hum it a little bit. <laughs> it's Supreme roll call. Yeah, it's it's killing me inside that we're doing all these these great episodes. Because uh, he would have killed it. Yeah, yeah, with yeah. with no roll call. Ah, it's killing me inside. Maybe we ask Cielo to send one later. We got we got to think of a way to to do a social distance social roll distance call. roll call. <laughs> exactly, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Please uh, welcome uh, our guest today, legendary gentleman. I know this is kind. Of, I always get weird when I like have to introduce people that I really, really, really know, not like people that I just admire on television or whatever. But exactly. Yeah, but five time uh, Grammy winner, the most transformative MC in the game. I mean, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just yes. Our guest I take that. <laughs> yes. Our yeah, multiple Grammys. I I will say even more, like one of my really one of my favorite singers living today. I mean, I can I could name maybe like four of them that I really like. Not even people that are able to sing, but people that are able to move you when they sing. Not to mention, very effective MC. Most people forget that as uh, one-fourth of the legendary 
Goody Mob from yes. Atlanta. What more can I say? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Quest Love Supreme, the one and only Thomas DeCarlo Calloway, a.k.a. Yeah. <laughs> CeeLo Green. I did not know your middle name was DeCarlo. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Greetings, kings and queens. How are you? What's going on, brother? How you feel? We Fonte, good. We what's good. up, brother? Where are you right now? I'm in Atlanta. Well, I'm, I'm um, technically I'm an, out, an hour outside of Atlanta. I'm out in Peachtree City. I live out in the country out here. So you never okay. left Atlanta. You always did. You ever live in LA for a little while, or were you always Atlanta? I did when I was out, when I was out there doing the voice. I was there for about five years, and then I left LA, and then I went and lived in Las Vegas for two years, okay. and then Miami for two years, and now I'm back in Atlanta. Okay, gotcha. I think the last time I saw you, it was a minute ago. Me and Pooh, we ran into you outside of Bossa Nova in LA. Yeah, <laughs> it was late I night. That. It was after the show. And yeah. and I recognize y'all. Y'all act like y'all was surprised that I recognized. You know what I'm saying? I see you. I said, "Look at the homeboys." Ooh, was you hey, bro, I, I know. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, I never assumed that, you know, cats would know who we were. So, but I guess if you see us together, that's when you can kind of do the math. But, oh, no, <laughs> but yeah, man, Quest would be able to affirm that, you know, I'm, I'm a real head, you know, so, so yeah, you could pop quiz me just about, just about any topic. I, I should, I should, uh, I should pan out pretty good. That's what's up. Yeah. That's what's up? What's so up, OG Quest? What you doing? Um, chilling here on a, on a ranch. <laughs> <laughs> a little sad now because uh just got news today that my four four of my uh poultry friends have have passed away apparently a raccoon oh. discovered how to get inside yeah. the hen oh. see now steve right. is laughing right now uh-uh. for those who don't know i'm quarantining <laughs> i quarantine upstate new york you know when i started it was five chickens and six baby ducks uh, the baby ducks are now as big as Debo on Friday. So now they bully the chickens. That's a big meanwhile, duck. <laughs> That's a meanwhile, big duck. Uh, <laughs> raccoons and foxes have found inventive ways to come and eat the chickens. So how do we know that it's foxes and raccoons that are murdering the chickens? Um, because we can clearly see who it is yeah well I'm, I'm just saying ever since you showed up to the ranch chickens oh are yeah mysteriously disappearing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, whatever steve anywho so that's dope quest i'm on a ranch too we have a ranch property out here uh in atlanta you got animals no um because the the, the property um we've been kind of using it as a vacation uh rental property and airbnb because i haven't been i haven't been living in atlanta primarily um, so no, when we first got this property about 12 years ago, they kind of, they threw a couple of horses in, you know, as a, a package, but you know, oh, wow. me, me, no, <laughs> no, 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 but I, I, I didn't, you know, I, I had to, you know, decline because you no know, first, then, then I did my diligence and I, and I found out that the horses are very expensive to take mm-hmm. care of. Yes. Um, and then of course I just, I just didn't have, I didn't have staffing or anything to do anything like that. So I was like, nah, thank you. I, I appreciate the, the gesture, but no, no thanks. <laughs> so no, no animals. Yeah, definitely. Taking care of animals on a farm is a full-time job. How about that Absolutely. full circle moment, moment, though? Talking to South Philly and, and Atlanta over here. Now y'all both got, y'all are both on ranches. Now we all have far- uh, farming. <laughs> Never thought the hip-hop would take it this far. <laughs> <laughs> what part, what part of Atlanta were you born in, see? Southwest Atlanta. Um, Swats. Swats, the South. Okay, so uh, explain South- to me what Swats is. Ah! 
Southwest. Southwest Atlanta, too strong. Uh, uh, Laya, you no, can't you can only you claim know, one did, place. Did, did Don't start homework. claiming everything. Sorry. Okay, so Southwest Atlanta is, um, it's it's like a a a uh, a four street kind of conglomerate. I mean that that starts at Campbellton Road, which is where um, Tyler Perry's uh, first television studio was based right around the corner from Greenbrier Mall. I grew up on that street. It was an, it was um, a vacant Delta building that he converted into uh, his first studios. And then he ultimately went on to buy Fort McPherson, which was an, uh, um, uh, an abandoned army base. But anyway, wow. so yeah, no, it, it's, it's that. It's Camelton Road on up to uh, Bankhead Highway, which is where T.I. Uh, is from, T.I. And then rest in peace, Shouty Lowe. They represent Bankhead. So, like, it's just like a four-street parallel. Um, and, you know, co- I mean, East Point is one street over, you know, where Big Gip is from, from Goody Mob, and then, you know, you keep going on out. Then um, then College Park is another few miles over. That's that's ludicrous. That's two chains and, and those guys. Isn't Didn't Diallo say that he went to school with CeeLo? He went to – I don't know if he went to – not uh diallo riddle his uh i think he said he went to benjamin mays yeah i know diallo um, yeah he went to he went to benjamin mays he me and him work on a show together a sherman showcase i know so, Cilo knows so. sherman showcase yeah uh, yeah i know i know diallo since uh since we were kids oh wow wow okay. yeah yeah, yeah. I, th- I, I was trying to figure out i knew that diallo went to school with someone notable but i didn't know if That's it was right. you or yep Big boy. It was you. Yep. Okay. That's a fact. That's a fact. We went to Maze and Big Boy and Dre. They went to Tri-Cities High School. Okay. Uh, yeah, so Candy from Escape uh, went to Tri-Cities with them. So in your, in growing up, first of all, are you the only child or you, do you have other siblings? Yeah, I have, I have one other sibling. I have an older sister, but kind of like having an older sister is basically like being like the only child still. Yeah. <laughs> she, she she didn't like she did not like me when we were kids i couldn't i was locked out of her room you know and Wait, all how much so older she, was she two years older oh so she oh, okay so now, she's though. like yeah no we, we were we were really close now she's like she's my realtor she's my property manager project manager uh co-founder of our foundation she 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 was she's a dynamic woman yes yeah, she we, is you saw her on unsung she's beautiful too. Mm-hmm. so in growing up it w- what was the musical environment like in your household? Because I imagine with that voice that someone in that house had to have been singing, or was that? Yeah, well, 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 both both my mother and father were ministers, but but I wasn't just completely like sheltered. You know what I mean? Um, um, you know, in in spiritual or or, or, or gospel. Even though I, I I spent a considerable amount of time in church. Um, and around gospel music, I, which I love. I love the Clark sisters, Leon Patillo, uh, you know, even Amy Grant. You know what I mean? Damn, uh, you said Leon Patillo. Amy Grant. Yeah. Amy <laughs> no, Grant. Oh, <laughs> you said <laughs> Leon Patillo. That, that's, you know, I'm real. That's how you know I'm real. Oh, and, my and of course, God. And of course, the whinings. You know what I mean? So yeah. that means Christian radio was on in your house all the time. It was. It was. It had but, to but have but but my um but then I had um then I had that secular side of me uh, because my mother had friends um outside of out, outside of that you know church is like a like a little uh, little social network you know what I mean so like she had she had friends that she did business with outside of uh of out of her church uh her church community 
And um, one of them was a legendary radio personality by the name of Ali Pat. So mm-hmm. I don't, I, you, you could you could research him and you know him and Hosea Williams like they, they were friends of my mother's when I was young. Mm. So I would go to the radio station and he gave me a box full of forty fives and so I would listen to stuff like um, you know uh, Johnny Taylor and ZZ Hill and BB King and Bobby Blueland. Yeah. So like I, I, lo- <laughs> I love the blues growing up too. The gospel was like the blues almost like it, it was it was um you know there, there was a, a parallel that that you know that connected the two if you ask me. I want to know at what age was your voice developed? I, um, I, I can remember, um, uh, man, who sings um, Gene Chandler? It's a song called The Rainbow. And oh, wow. we used to, we used to uh, sing this, uh, you know, in the family talent shows in front of the big floor model TV in the den. So it was this song, <laughs> and then it was um, Jackie Wilson's <laughs> Dog and Me Around. So I knew, I knew that, yeah, girl, (laughs) dog and mirror. Right, right. So, so, so if you notice, I can imitate, I can imitate him. So like, that's how I learned how to sing because, you know, that's that first form of flattery. You know what I mean? Um, And then you you filter it into, you know, what's to become your own living experience in the way that, you know, you interpret life. You know, uh, or, you know, and then it, then it's kind of reiterated in, in, in its own, you know, new and, you know, it's like a hybrid theory of something. So, like, no, I, I Jackie. So you Wilson weren't like traditionally first, singing in church and. No, like, well, I did. I, I did a couple of solos in church. I was mostly kind of fascinated with the band. We had a I went to Grace Covenant Baptist Church. That was our first family church in Atlanta. And the band was just fantastic. You know what I mean? Um and so I would sit right in the pew right behind the band. It was, it was set to the far left of, of the, uh, you know, the church. And I would just mm-hmm. sit there and watch the drummer. So at that time, I wanted to play drums. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, and then I was always fascinated with the organ. I, I guess it's that big joint. It's not the Oberheim, but it's like, you know, it's that big three-level joint. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, and I, and I always loved the organ. And, and it, it gave me... It struck a chord with me because I'm a Gemini, so therefore I have that duality of, you know, they say half half mortal, half God kind of thing. So, um, you know, so it, it it sounded really righteous, and then it sounds really evil in one way too. So, like to me, that's like the ultimate like instrument. So it really it really struck a nerve with me, and there, and it kind of it kind of like you know opened me up where I can kind of you know, identify with different energies in in, in song. You know what I mean, and so mm-hmm. I could tell if something had some something intentful or something was really real about something. You know what I mean? I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, it's funny. To, no, it's funny to hear you say it, you describe it like that, because as a kid going to church, like the organ to me was also an instrument. Like it could sound beautiful in some ways, but then it could also sound kind of ominous. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, so exactly. Like, when they would play like on Scooby-Doo, the theme. The brum, brum, brum. So yeah, that was that was kind of like my relationship to gospel music as well. Like it was, it was I saw it as something that was like my grandparents' music, and it was in our household. It was kind of like you had to listen to it. You know, we ain't gonna listen to no rap today. Cut. We just playing gospel. It was almost like a punishment. But right. in that was where I found you know Mighty Clouds of Joy, Jackson Southern Airs, like all the quartet yeah. gospel. Like Mighty that Clouds was, of Joy. 
Yeah, that this was my is stuff. Just a rehearsal. When we get to heaven, go yes. to real estate. Yeah, come on, I know that. And then, um, and then you got <laughs> then you got Willie Mitchell. You know what I mean? Like who? Did? Yeah, high records. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's um derivative of that church, you know, organ background. Like, and it just made all of that Al Green music just sound so, so, uh, so familiar, so warm. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like. Yeah, yeah, that's what yeah, that's that's why Al Green is the best. Okay, it just hit me. You you're born in 1975, which makes you six years old in 1981. Mm-hmm. What can you describe to me, or at least from your point of view? Because the one thing that I knew the most about Atlanta, at least growing up, mm-hmm. was about the the child murders. I was just about to say that. Yeah. That occurred <laughs> down there. So what was your childhood into, especially in those early years? Was it like you had to be inside 24-7? Like how did that how did that affect at least with the murders hanging over everyone's heads in Atlanta with black children? How did that affect your childhood for those early years? Well, I lived just um moments from the the community park, which was a uh, West Manor uh, recreation. Um, and, you know, I wasn't, you know, I was, I was never that far away. Um, but I do remember that time of where I was, I was far enough where I could hear my mother calling, you know, just like mm. the song, I can hear my mother calling. Yeah, Cosmic Slop. I can, Cosmic Slop. I can hear yeah. her. Yeah, I can, I can hear her calling. And so, so it, it was. I was that close, relatively close. And so everything went up there. Whether whether it was just kind of community, uh, you know, JV, um, literally football and stuff like that. So all of the activities were right at the end, end of the street, um, which was safeguarding, you know, for me uh, in that time. But you know, I remember being in elementary school and them having the coloring books about, you know, um, not taking candy from strangers and you know this, that, or the third and um, I remember the song that was uh, is, is, is synonymous with that, that subconscious time in my life is uh, Jesus is Love by the Commodores. By the Commodores, yeah. I would hear that song all of the time, and it gives me the chills to say it because, you know, it was just a frightening time. You know what I mean? So when you hear it but now, that's what you think of. That's what I think about. Is oh, it weird wow. to see it resurfacing in so many ways now? HBO has a special. My Hunters did a whole season on it. Like I, I watched it. I watched the documentary. Um, and uh, I, um, what's my man name? Um, uh, Will Packard, the one, the one that they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I watched it, and it, and it was, you know, it was, you know, definitely informative. You know, not not to be able to look back on the, you know, the experience as an adult. You know, I mean, it's it's kind of. Uh, it's it's really sobering to to look back on it now. It was surreal as a child uh, because we were terrified and we just didn't really know um, where this this evil, you know, or uh, you know, what, what kind of what 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 corner it would come from, or, you know, what 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 it would jump out from behind. So, you know, everybody was being careful, and I just remember that being, you know, just a time of of just a closeness and togetherness and just trying to be protective of of one another. You know what I mean? Um, and and yeah, but. Slight confession. Anytime it's is where you mentioned the Commodores because whenever they would show Wayne Williams, 
I'd always think of Walter Clyde Orange, the drummer Orange. from the Commodores. That's right. <laughs> I'm going to Guess hell what? for that one. Uh, well, you're not. Because no, I got to Wade Williams had those. Still with us? Walter. It was the glasses. It was, it like was the, the glasses. glasses man. Yeah. They they actually he, yeah they 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 resemble each other. Damn, you're right. Yeah. And it's crazy because um, Goody Mob's manager, her name's La- uh, Lakeisha Orange. She's that's that's her uncle. Wow. Yeah. Wow. What? That was true. True story. Damn. Damn. Was Goody Mob your first musical venture, or like, did you did you have other groups growing up in in Atlanta? Yeah. Yeah, I had one other group before uh, Goody Mob. I had a, um, I was in a in a crew called the GA Style, um, with my man um, Ali Al, who was from Jersey. My man DJ Wynn, who, who passed away some years ago. Recipes DJ Wynn just recently had a birthday. Um, his cousin Q, um, you know, and you know, and oh, DJ Will got to shout him out, Sugar Bear. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, no, but but we were just kind of. Um, you know, in Atlanta, we had uh, the, uh, the the temporary service agencies of where you can just kind of sign up and be a part of their their roster, and they would call you kind of randomly, you know, you know, on, on any given morning and be like, "Hey, are you available for work at this warehouse or this, that, or the third? I mean, like, manpower. so we would, yeah, so manpower, we would all, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we would all, you know, get jobs together and you know, pool money together. Like, so that was my first support system. They were all older than me. I've always been, you know, the the, the youngest in, in any crew that I've been in. So Ali Al ended up um, marrying my sister and, you know, having two beautiful daughters, my nieces. And so, like, you know, they were, they were family and they were kind of really looking out for me because around that time I was really at risk youth. Man, I was getting into a lot of trouble and, you know, they really gave me some some structure. You know what I mean? Uh, because they were, they, was, they were straight-laced guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, really no drinking, no smoking. Just to working back and putting money together to, you know, buy studio time and just doing it, doing it the, uh, you know, the real way. You know what I mean? So, I, you know, I owe a lot of debt of gratitude to them because they, they really gave me uh, quite a bit of my my moral fiber. Yo, what's up? This is Fonte, Fontigolo from Team Supreme. Black representation in media is very important to me. I think it's important to have our stories told by people who look like us and who have shared in our common experiences. Some of my earliest influences were Donnie Simpson. Uh, I would also say Tom Joyner, Angela Stribling, uh, Sherry Carter. They were just people who told our stories with a lot of class and dignity and were big inspirations to me. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Schmurder to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast, The Center Black Voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get podcasts. All right, y'all. 
You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. How deep was or how strong was the first wave? I mean, I consider the LaFace era the second wave of Atlanta's or maybe the beginning being Bobby Brown moving to Atlanta, but before the Olympics, like post Olympics, it felt like is when stuff started. Well, I mean, Bobby moved there in, I think, in 88, 89. And I thought, that's weird. Like, why would he not go to Hollywood like everyone else? So, right. I mean, but, you know, I knew like people, Bryson moved down there. I knew like certain people knew something about Atlanta that the rest of the world didn't know. But like how prominent, I mean, besides Brick, like how prominent was the music industry in Atlanta in your teen years? Well, we we definitely knew of Brick. Uh, Jimmy Brown from Brick, uh, who's playing that. Sleepy's dad. That, that, yeah. yeah, that's Sleepy Brown's dad, yeah. you know, playing that mm-hmm. iconic flute solo on, on Daz. Right. Uh, you know what I mean? Um, so we knew about Brick and we knew about Cameo, uh, the SOS band, uh, Princess and Starbreeze, who ends up being uh, Miss Deborah Killings, who's, who's uh, yeah. ended up doing all of the background work for TLC and played mm-hmm. bass on on so many other you know famous records. Um, that's right. Know, she is playing bass on uh, Elevators, I think. That's right. That's her playing baseball. So Songs the ship. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, you know, on the on the rap side, you know what I mean? Like we had MC Shy D, who was from he was from New York, but he's like the first like breakout dude, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, but there was, you know, only a other couple of rap sensations that came out of Atlanta around that time. So it was just mainly about the, the, the funk and soul bands of that time. Um and I think I think maybe would have probably would have uh would have um attracted Bobby Brown to Atlanta. It probably was Deion Sanders or something like that. You know what I mean? You know, uh, you know, I guess Larry Blackman did did produce his first uh, record. That's right. He stage. did. He produced his first record. The King of Stage. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe maybe he came uh, to Atlanta to work with Larry. Larry, of course, was a mentor of mine. Now I talk to him all of the time. Me and him just had birth birthdays recently. Um, so yeah, I, I talk to him all of the time. Lives out How's Larry doing, man? He's still cool. How's he doing? He's good, man. He's really easy going. Just like a, a soft spoken OG. He's you know just yeah. he's just done a lot. You know what I mean? And um. Uh, it's a it's a lot of love whenever I talk to him because I could just I can I can quote him so well you know what I mean I just feel like yo like let me just love on him you know what I mean and you know um <laughs> he um at 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 one point um I had introduced 
him to my, my management firm, Primary Wave, and they were representing the, the group uh, for a short while and trying to help them, you know, get their, their ownership and their masters back and stuff like that, you know. But, you know, we befriended each other throughout that, that time. Uh, he, he's, just a, he's just a great all-around guy, talented, just, just an unsung individual, so talented, man. Do like, they still touch the stage? Does Cameo, do they still? Damn. Yeah, I think, I think they still tour. I, I'm not sure how extensively now, but I, I know like a few years back, they were still moving around. And um, they actually, you know, so this would be five years ago because at my 40th birthday, um, they were surprise uh, guest performance for me at my 40th birthday. So everybody came out, you know, uh, and did all, did all of the greats. Okay. I used to I used to love Alligator Woman. Y'all know that record? Alligator Woman. Oh yeah. yeah. That was the one with Vanity on the cover. Vanity was yeah. on the cover. Alligator Woman. You know, I didn't really know what that was. I was like, what kind of music is this? You know Only I mean? like, you and D'Angelo love that song, man. I, I, <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Flirt was my joint, but they always go, Alligator Woman. It's like their little <laughs> sort Flirt, of a new one, wave though. nod. They're not the new wave. Yeah, I think it definitely was a nod to New Wave. I mean, like, you know, because um, I, I, I end up overhearing some conversations. Uh, maybe I watched the interview with Rick James, and he was basically saying that um, Super Freak was inspired by Devo's Whip It. I mean, like, so I think mm-hmm. everybody was trying to trying really? to cash in on Get that a just a little that. bit. Yeah. yeah. No, what? Can you put together or or properly put in context how the Dungeon family gets built? Like, instead of just asking, like, how did goody mob form how did the entire collective become that or was it just a mythical marketing thing or like no um, were you guys teenagers well, in the beginning and then had a plan to well at the time rico wade and sleepy brown were a part of a dance troupe called guests and the dance troops were the superstars in the city at that time because you know, all of the, you know, all of the high schools had different talent shows. So it's basically going around like on a promo tour, you know what I mean, <laughs> uh, in the city. So they they were kind of, you know, locally celebrated, you know, because, you know, they, you know, they were one of the, the more uh, famous ones. Um, it's them, the Stray Cats, you know what I mean? Like, which was a gang wow. of, I, I, I was a part, I was part of the Stray Cats, like a gang of, you, you, you guys for me were Young Dro from Atlanta? Yes. yes, come on, I know Joe. Okay, so okay, so y'all know how Joe dress. He, Joe dress. Uh, Joe mm-hmm. dresses like he's he grew up in you know like he's a part of a golf community or something like that. Like mm-hmm. straight, real preppy. He, he's basically kinda. like super prep, super prep. So like it's like the Atlanta version of the low lifes in New York. You know what I mean, ah, gotcha, gotcha. Thurston Howell and them boys. Yeah, you know what yeah, I'm saying? yeah. Yeah. So we was on it real hard like that in Atlanta too. So like tree tons and Benetton bags and tennis rackets and <laughs> stuff <laughs> like that. Tree tons. Wow. Yo, I just had on a pair of tree tons the other day, man. Like, but anyway. <laughs> they still so, make them? They still yeah, make uh, them. Dre, because um, uh, uh, Dre, he had his own line. He just yeah, released he, he like a, a year or so ago. Yeah, he did a line with them. Yeah. Oh, damn. So I, got a, I got a couple of boxes, you know, um, courtesy of the homie. Uh, <laughs> but, but no, okay, so um, to answer the question, so yeah, so everybody knew them, and then they were also a part of um, um, an R&B crew called the U-Boys. Uh, so it was Sleepy Brown, Rico Wade, Mr. DJ, who ended up being the DJ for Outkast, yeah. he's, Rico, he's Rico's cousin, and mm-hmm. uh, Marquez Elfridge, who ended up writing Waterfalls. Waterfalls. Yeah. yeah. So they were a group called the U-Boys, and I remember um, I had gotten 
I had gotten expelled from the Atlanta public school system. So I couldn't even go to school in Atlanta. So I had to be, uh, I had to be taken away to Gainesville, Georgia. And I went to Riverside military, Riverside military Academy. I was, I was, I was a, I was something else as a kid. What they expel you like, for? Like, <laughs> I'm like, you want come back to that, so might as well. What they expel you for? I'm just, just troublesome, man. I don't know, bro. <laughs> yes, like, you do. <laughs> That's the whole school system. That's a lot of whoopee cushions under yeah. the system, right? Like, you ain't no class clown. That's beyond. In, I was just getting so much trouble. I don't know what was wrong with me at that time, but yeah, so, um, <laughs> So I came back, <laughs> I came back and I had to go to Frank McLaren Alternative School, which was a school for dropouts. And so me and Andre 3000 um, were classmates uh, in the third grade. So we went to elementary school together and we were like, we were play cousins. So we were really, we were really close. He's like my brother when we, were, when we were babies, pretty much. And so I ended up coming back to Atlanta, enrolling in Frank McLaren Alternative School, which was across the railroad tracks from Tri-Cities. So, which is where he had dropped out of school. So we both were dropouts and we were going, trying to get that GED. And that's when we reconnected after having, not having seen each other for years. Okay, so I saw a U-Boys picture there. It was like, you know, how you might see something. They, they may have been passing out those, um, those black and white, you know, groups, you know, where they got the managerial uh, information. Yeah, like the, the promo picture, yeah, the black no. and white. Yeah, the, yeah. So it, it was that, but it was on the ground. And I just recognized, you know, um, I had I recognized Sleepy Brown from um, from dancing in the talent shows because they were they were famous. They were they were like the hottest ones around for a long time. So he always had a look about himself. I'm like I, I recognize him, and I recognize Marquez Eldridge too. So I saw that me and Dre hooked back up. That's that. Um, I introduced him to DJ Wynn and DJ Allian. I tried to get them to be a part of the GA style. And we went over and we did some little, you know, they, they did their first demo with DJ Wynn. That, you know, that didn't work. Then I remember one day they came back up to school with some look. And then he introduced me to, oh, the day he introduced me to Big Boy is when I took them to meet DJ Wynn. So they, mm-hmm. they, they okay. took the train over there. We, they came up to the school. We all rode the train to DJ Wynn's. And, and that, that's that. But, um, like, shortly after that, they came back and it was like, yo, we met these, we met these dudes and he was talking about organized noise. He was like, yo, he's like, yo, he said, yo, dude is cool, but man, these dudes, boy, they got some fucking, you know what I mean? They, they got some heat, <laughs> you know? So then, you know, Wait, they, what they year had, is this? This is like, um, 90, 90, uh, 90, oh, 91, shit. 92. Okay. I don't know. I guess what, what year, what year did DOS effects come out? Like 92? 91. Mm, yeah. 91. 91. That was dead serious. Yeah. 91. All right, so that how was that your marker, CeeLo? What, what, what because because that's what we was on. I mean, like you know that would. I mean, uh, it was it was it was DOS effects for me and Dre. Uh, it was DOS effects. It was leaders of the new school. Um, I forgot who else may have been rocking at that time. Souls you know I mean? but, uh, was us. So, was Souls a big influence? I definitely heard that influence of Outcast. Yeah, Souls and Mister. Come on, Tajay, OPO. You know what I'm saying? Like the old boys. <laughs> You know, a domino, casual. So there was you know. definitely an openness to, well, I guess there wasn't territorial markings until 93, 94, but. Yeah, we look at it before like Before then, you were open to anything. Nah, in the open. South, we had to study everything, man. That's Super why, like, open. we had to study, yeah. Yeah, we loved it. You know what we, we loved it. Um, uh, so, so basically, I'm, I'm trying to narrow the, 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 the story down. Okay, so a good friend of mine, uh, Pretty Ken 
Pretty Ken ended up being a good <laughs> friend of mine, and he ended up, you know. That's your new name, Bill. Pretty Ken. <laughs> I think of Pretty Ken. You. I'll take that. That's I'm right. So, I always so wondered pretty, who he was because you shouted him out at the goodie yeah, bag verse. I was like, who is Pretty Ken? That's a okay, great name. So, so Pretty Ken <laughs> and my cousin, Floaty, they ended up creating the Attic Crew. Now, me and Ken were like Kendrick, Kendrick Spirits, and when, when, I, when I was introduced to Organized Noise, you know, he was, he was like my role dog. I was living with Ken at the time. Oh, wow. So, like, we went over there together, but our tones of voice, personalities, you know, swagger, the whole thing, it, we were like, we were bosom buddies. So, like, they just, you know, they, they took to me a little bit more and wanted to work with me, and they just felt like me and Ken were too similar. So, um, you know, he ended up starting the added crew, which would give you Jim Crow, Polo to Don, the Young Bloods, okay. and, that, and, that, okay. and that whole movement. Okay. So oh, that's okay. pretty Ken. But his cousin, Fat Keith, was a friend of mine. <laughs> that's you, Bill. <laughs> that's your new name, Fat <laughs> Keith. I'll take it. I'll take on shit, too. I'm giving you all these names. I'm down. So me, and, me and Fat Keith were at Greenbrier Mall, right? So we're walking past, um, you know, the, the door about to leave out. There's like 10 payphones in a row. There's this dude standing there with, it, with his back to us. Uh, uh, Keith recognizes him, and um, he taps him on the shoulder, and it's Marquez Etheridge. And then I recognized him from the picture. I said, because, well, you know, I got, like, a photographic memory down there. So I'm like, oh, okay, that's the homeboy from that picture I saw, like, you know, or whatever. So he said, yo, my homeboy sing, and he can rap. You should check him out. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I, stood, I went outside with him, and I sang for him. I rapped for him. And uh, he said, well, I was actually on the phone trying to call over to the dungeon. He said, I know that they're there, but, you know, maybe the music's up or too loud or something. And Keith was like, we'll take you over there. Where is it? And he was like, yo, it's like, you know, 166, you know what I mean? Like, which is the expressway, you know, over by the fairgrounds. I said, we know it's, you know, it's like 10 minutes up the road. So he jumps in the truck with us. I go over to the dungeon. And I'm leaving out one part. One time, so after, after um. Dre and Big introducing the, and the thing didn't work out with DJ Wynn. They came back one day and said, man, are we about to do a showcase full of Face Records? They had on the Face Records t-shirts and they both had blonde hair. Uh, they had blonde, short blonde haircuts and they were calling themselves Two Shades Deep, Two Shades Deep. at the time. So Dre's original rap name was Jazz. J-A-H-Z. Jazz. And Big Boy, <laughs> Big, Big Boy's... <laughs> Big Boy's, you know, given name is Antoine, so it was Jazz Antoine. So, um, so you know, they both some, had blonde you know, hair. I don't even know what their vibe was. That sounds like a different they kind of blonde hair. <laughs> do, do, do y'all remember? Do you remember uh, Dallas Austin's first group, Highland Place Mobsters? Highland yes. Place Mobsters. Yeah. Let's get naked. Yes. Okay, let's get naked. So you remember Chip Maniac? Yes. Yep. Okay, me and Chip were like play brothers too. So people thought we looked alike. You know what I mean? But like. Chip is like, he was just like me. He like a real fool. And that's why he got his nickname, Maniac. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> um, you can call me that too. <laughs> so he was a really talented guy. Just, just, you know, just one of those over the, you know, over the top, you know, you know, one of those, one of those tortured soul type, type, you know, tragedy cages, man. You know, like a good guy though, loving the devil. But anyway, so, so this they, is a small like community him. in Atlanta. A small community in Atlanta. So I'm, I, I got to say this part. So Fat Keith takes us over to the dungeon. I remember, I'm recalling the conversation uh, from Dre and Big the day that they said they were going to get signed to the face. So we go over to the dungeon. Sleepy Brown's sitting there. I recognize him from the U-Boys picture. I sang for him. 
It's like, ooh, okay, cool. I like it. Then here comes Rico walking in the door with Dre and Big. They had just stepped out to go and get something to eat. Dre, you know, with excitement, say, that's my dude. That's what I was telling you about. That's CeeLo. He's the one that does all of the story raps. Because at that time, you know, I, I, I rhyme like that. Like I was on some, you know, Slick Rick. That was slick my Rick guy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know. So anyway, that's it. So I, I, I sang again for Rico. And then, um, you know, we, we ended up, you know, reconnecting and blah, blah, blah. I left that night. And then two other homeboys of mine, this is like months later, Big JD and Killer B, um, two of the homie hustlers uh, from high school. You could tell they was getting money in high school. You know, he had, the, he had, that, he had that black uh, Grand Jeep Cherokee with the gold package and the BBSs. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> the BBS in like high that. school? <laughs> in high school. Yeah. Like, you, you remember the one heavy... D- it's the one Heavy D pulled up in in the self-destruction video. He had a red one. Yeah. I don't know if y'all recall that. Yeah, I remember that. Cool. So anyway, so they, so they was managing me at the time, you know what I mean? Because they, they met, they, even though I knew them, they didn't know, nobody knew I did music. Everybody knew me for getting into, getting into shit. And they're like, yo, go get, <laughs> go get Carlo. He'll, he'll do it. I was that kind of guy. You know, so we were at we were at my homeboy Glenn Cook's house. I'm I'm, I'm sorry, Chris. Look, I'm, let me just tell you, man. Let me tell you. No, we're nerding <laughs> out over go, here. Go in. No. Keep going. No, keep going. So, I'm so, more amazed that you were Debo in this situation. I'm thinking I like was, man. He can't I'm, even I'm tell thinking us what you're he like. Did. Like that's how like, you know, it's Prince B out this motherfucker like the, from the, the flower district. <laughs> the district. <laughs> Not I was, a school. The district. district. The whole <laughs> district. Quest, I was Debo. Like that whole you know, robbing motherfuckers for starter jackets and stuff like that. That was me. That's what I okay, did. Okay, now it's coming. All right, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Tales so from wait the a minute, <laughs> It's true. No, music, music, music totally saved my life, man. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. 
All right, wait, wait. I I, I just got to I got I got to preface cuz the thing is my favorite verse you ever did on on uh still standing the uh, the gutter the, butter uh, voice. We gave a gutter yeah. butter. Yeah, we gave up right. the call. Gutter butter. <laughs> and in my mind, I'm like, oh, it Jesse Lou could tell a tall tale. Like <laughs> he ain't about that life, but damn, he, he sure play it well. <laughs> Motherfucker, you really is living this life. <laughs> no, dude. I'm telling you, Quest, if you just probably do just an interview with anybody else from Atlanta, they'll tell you. I don't really like to talk about it, man, but because I don't know, it's it's, it's weird. It's just too long. Not my. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. You so, okay, blessed, so I, man. I, Jesus. No, definitely, mo- most definitely. So listen, I don't want to. I don't want to lose it. So, so okay, they. I, I battled Cujo. It, Cujo and Big Gip pulled up um, to to our homie Glenn Cook's house. He was he was like, who's the guy from American Pie? Uh, Stifler. So Cook was like Stifler. He had he's the black Stifler of the other neighborhood. Like, you know, if there was a he was the one that had the cut parties at his house, he could always go over at any point of the day. Somebody was there, you know, just bring some beer and a, and a you know, so that's when that's when we were still we were still going in dollars a piece on nickel bags of weed and you know, just broke <laughs> stuff, broke hood shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> buying, you know, we couldn't even afford to buy the whole pack of Newports. Just go get four Newports. Like, oh, Lucy's. y'all buying the Lucy's. Y'all buying Lucy's. the Lucy's. Lucy's. Wow. <laughs> Lucy's and Deuce Deuce, uh, Colt 45s, Old English. We were drinking 40 ounces. It was that era. It was that era, man. Okay. I battled, I battled Cujo because Killer B, you know, he, I, I'll just say it because he was a wee guy at that time, but he was, he ended up being my manager because they, you know, and so he played me Cujo and Timo's demo. So originally they, they were the lumberjacks. They were the Goody Mob lumberjacks, yeah. you know. And so I heard their demo, and I was like, "Damn!" You know, um, I knew Timo because he grew up a street over from me. His family's house is a street over from my grandmother's house that I grew up. So I've known him my whole life too. He's like the second person I've known the longest. Him, Dre, and then Backbone. I've known I've known them yeah. all my life. You know, so anyway, um, I used to hear about Willie. I heard about his legend. Le- Willie Cujo, the, the girls call him, he was voted most attractive. And, <laughs> you know, my sister that would come home because she, she graduated in their class. So Cujo, Timo, and Gip graduated with my sister. So right. oh, I'm, wow. three, I'm three years older than them, but I knew. So, but Willie was just kind of like hunk of a dude. You know what I'm saying, you know, but he was like a brawler, like, Patrick Swayze and Roadhouse. So like, you know, so, so around, <laughs> I know. Right, right. <laughs> so around, around that time, it was about, it wasn't about gangs. It's most certainly about gangs in Atlanta now, but it wasn't about gangs. It was about rival high schools. So uh, we grew up how like the movie Outsiders was, you know what I mean? You know, we, we, we fought in that same park that, that was at the, at the end of my street, all of the high school fights with, Take it to the wreck. That's what they call it. It was short for okay. recreation center. Let's take it to the wreck. So I've sat there and I witnessed a handful of high school brawls, battle royals. And, um, you know, but I was an underclassman. And, you know, I was really looking for my turn. So I was really making noise in my, in my grade. And then I eventually started hanging with the older dudes and started going over there and getting into those fights and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? So, so with that, Cook... <laughs> I battled, so 
uh, Killer B was selling us the weed, but he ended up, ended up being my manager. Um, he witnessed, he became my manager because he witnessed me battle Cujo. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, and I'll say that it was a draw. You know what I mean? Like, you know, so because it was, <laughs> okay. it was, it was friendly. You know what I'm saying? Like, but you know, I had the secret weapon. I started singing on him and all kind of shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it was like, damn. <laughs> but you know, a lot of people like to give me the credit for being maybe one of the first to do that. Them say like myself, Lauren Hill. But I'm like, no, nah, I'm going all the way back to Force and D's and UTFO, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Cold Crush and, and, and all of those routines they used to do with the harmony. So anyway. I was going to say the one promo thing that I've ever missed in the history of Roots was when they went to a radio station. Do you remember this night? Yes, we freestyling. You know, I remember. Where all y'all freestyled together? Who? Yeah, um, Kamal. It was Kamal. Uh, Kamal Tariq, freestyle. Malik. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It, it's, Malik, it's on dude, YouTube. Get on Get on. Okay, I'll, I'll admit it now. I, I met. On. I met. I met a, a a bad shorty in Atlanta, and yeah, I did. I feigned sickness with the record label. Like, oh man, I really got a headache. I can't make this. And they went to the radios like normally I would. Uh, I'll be the first to hog up. A ra- Good for you. A radio station interview. <laughs> <So>. Question. <laughs> can, can, question. Can I? Can I? Can I get on another subject one for for a second? I used to love distortion to static. Do you know that? I mean, like, I got that. That um, maybe right before that, I think I got maybe like the promo copy of "Do You Want More." You know what yeah. I'm saying? And I, and I remember telling Tyreek. And you know, no, you know him. Like I say, like yo, I really like the album, bro. He said, "Oh yeah, what song you like?" You know what I'm saying, you feel me? Like he was kind of like he always he asked. Like, like, Stop asking people that. <laughs> <laughs> so and so, you know, I'm not making it up because I remember it like it was yesterday. And I said, "Also, I like you know, distortion static, obviously." You know what I mean? Like uh, proceed. And I said, like, and then I love lazy afternoon. He was like, "Oh shit!" You know what I'm saying? You really you know? Really know. <laughs> Ain't no <on> the sampler. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think that was kind of like the beginning of a bond because then we ultimately then end up doing one of our first our first tour together. Y'all y'all made y'all made such an impression. All I remember, we we had spent we had spent a good three years just in isolation living in Europe. So when we finally came back to the States in 95, like we didn't we didn't have friends yet. Like there was there was no common D'Angelo, like there was none of that, like the click that we had. So we were just kind of out there in the open, and y'all were really the first people that we befriended, and like True. that that shit meant a lot. Like y'all y'all came to that show. I think there was a show that we did with the uh, Far Side. That's right. And I think that uh, you guys came as like an outdoor show uh, at one of those I think spots. It was a, but the Masquerade, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, no, you you were always. That's how I know you're a hip hop head, and and. And into that. So how once you guys got together, like how especially now, like I can't even imagine how it is to navigate in a group. Like, how do you determine who does what and concepts and what you guys are? Okay, so I'll cap it off by saying Killer B and JD started to manage me after they witnessed that battle. And then some months, and then they were, they were trying to kind of show me that they were, you know, credible. You know, they came and picked me up one night, you know, and then they took me to Jermaine Dupree's house. And this is when they were shooting uh, the video for Crisscross. Uh, 
everything's all right. It's it's the the, the record they had. The with Super Jack Cat. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that was at Jermaine's house, and I remember that. And I said, okay, so they show, they you know it's like they we showing you things, we introducing you, exposing. I'm like, all right, you know, cool, whatever, <laughs> you know. So then they ended up taking me to the dungeon again, and when we were pulling up on the dungeon, you know, um, you know, I said this place looks familiar. So long story short, they brought me back to the dungeon. And everybody was there. So I said, I've been here before. I go in the door, Dre, Big, Sleepy, Ree, everybody who I just met months prior because of Fat Keith and Marquez, they were all there in addition to Gimp and Timo and everybody just pulling up. And it was just traffic over there. And I was like, wow, like this is like my whole neighborhood in this little bitty house. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So that's how the Dungeon family came together. Now, as far as the song structure, I'll, I'll be I'll be totally uh, uh, and how we and what the, the the system is, man. What happened was with the success of Outkast, you know, everybody came in as individuals. Let's say, for example, Big Gip and Cool Breeze were in a group called the East Point Chain Gang. So Gip came over as a solo artist. Now, if you notice, Gip had always had. Everybody was, Gip was poised to be the next superstar. You know what I mean? Because, mm-hmm. you know, Dirty South, was, which, which was uh, the third single um, off of Soul Food, Soul you Food. know, it, fe- it featured him in Cool Breeze. He was just paying a respect to his OG. Cool Breeze is his OG, and Cool Breeze came up with the, he coined the phrase Dirty South. But technically, otherwise, that would have been a, a Gip solo song because right. it's Gip, Cool Breeze, and Big Boy. And yeah. then the second album, Black Ice, which was the yeah. second single. Because you weren't on Black Gip. Ice, right? I was no, nobody, yeah. nobody was on it. It was just Gip Big and Gip Big and Dre. You know what I'm saying? So they were really looking for him to really be the next, the next big thing. Um, so with that being said, Goody Mob, you know, the Soul Food album was essentially meant to be intended to be a compilation album to get everybody out at the same time. Mm, so we wow. weren't even formally a group. So if you go so back it's to like the Ghetto Boys, it's like <laughs> y'all just put together. So yeah, if you basically, but it, it's the it's kind of like the practicality uh, of of a Rico Wade and the vision of a Rico Wade because you know, um, let's say I was featured on Get Up Get Out, you know, which was another Outcast song off of their album. Yeah, yeah, uh, they was on Call of Duty. And and Cujo and T won't call it a while. Me and Big Gip were on Get Up, Get Out. Get Up, Get Out ended up being a single. But us being so totally ignorant and naive about radio format and and song length, this song was eight minutes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't know. We really didn't know, right? So they had to put out an Outkast version and a Goody Mob version. So anyway, um, there was some interest in me as a solo artist, but I was kind of new. Over to, over to the dungeon, so I, I you know it, it it would it would have been wrong, and, and, and to be totally honest, um, I can I can I can say that I wasn't prepared to be a solo artist, but they wanted to give me a solo deal, you know what I mean? So I was all up to get in a group with the homeboys that I had known from the neighborhood, you know what I mean? Like so that's what Goody Mob. I said this, you know uh, you know this is easy enough. I know the homeboys, so um, but you know I'm the baby of that group. I'm a lot. I, I, I tend to be more vocal than just about everybody. So people kind of like misconstrue that, but like, nah, everybody's older than me. You know what I mean? Um, and you What's know- What's the age difference? Like three years. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Well, that could be shit and hip hop. Nah, that's a lot. Yeah, and hip hop. It does make a difference <laughs> to me too. Now it makes sense when I because I went to Clark. By the time all this was happening, I was at CAU and I used to see CeeLo on on Spelman campus and stuff all the time, just like chilling because that's what people did. You used to see me down there in, in the Impala. Yeah, like sitting on the wall. That's it. Yeah, I was down there. Because yeah. <laughs> I was like, I wanted you to talk about like, so you talked about the beginnings of how y'all all got together. But by the time I got to Atlanta, it was a scene that was being set that was like no other pre like black, black, black Lily, like with you guys, Funk well, Jet. Well, go well ahead. I'm you- telling y'all because like, you know, Spike Lee film school days there. So it's yeah. like, you know, the AU that was popular. So that was yeah. almost like. That was like the strip. You know what I mean? Like if you had a nice whip or something like that, you ride through there, you know, hollering at the college girls and this, that, of the third. So like, it was just this little f- vicinity, you know what I mean? Like, you know, of just like socialization. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and it's like right next to the hood. So it's like, so <laughs> like you can all get whatever you want at the AU. All HBCUs. <laughs> yeah. You can they get your Clark. All. And we so, still had Morris Brown at the time. But so look, no, no, your question, answer your question. I want to make sure that I'm clear. All right. Yes. So with that being said, um, I just me, you know, I'm like a, I write songs like playwrights, like screenplays. You know what I mean? So like I have to have uh, a visual. I mean, like something to anchor me down. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, OK, like we're talking about this. We're talking about that. And then I know how to summarize and I know how to paraphrase. Um, but you, then you got artists like, you know, Cujo who, you know, this, and I mean this with the utmost respect, he's like fucking Hannibal Lecter, you know, man, where <laughs> he, could, he, could, he could take his, when I first met Cujo, he was, we would go to the liquor store, have a 40 ounce of old English, he would finish the 40 and take the brown paper bag and write a rhyme on the paper bag. Or wow. I saw him write rhymes on a roll of toilet tissue. So he would do really cool, you know, you know, swaggeristic, eccentric shit like that. <laughs> which made everybody be like, mm, taking a notice to, you know, like this big Cujo, you know what I mean? So, uh, <laughs> right. you know, so, you know, we, I, you know, I thought that kind of stuff was amazing. You know what I mean? Um, and, Did each and, member know what their role was in the group or how they were perceived? Well, I'm kind of like that. I was kind of like um, project manager. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I, you know, I came up with the, the concept of the soul food. Uh, you know, I, I came up with that title. I came up with the concept of, you know, Cujo being the meat because things that he was saying was kind of tough to chew. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, right. uh, uh, <laughs> Timo was the bread because Timo was this kind of like independent dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, but man, can I live off bread alone? And Gip was the vegetables because Gip is like, you know, this politician. He knows how to, you know, wrangle and, and galvanize and get people together. And like, you know, uh, and I'm like the water because I'm there to be the transparency and the the clarification because everybody was trying to, you know, interject with new slang and, you know, it was a whole new identity. And even I, even I didn't understand what some, some of what was being said. So I kind of like assumed the position to just make sure that we were translating, you know, uh, the right way, because I knew what we were doing was important. You know what I'm saying? You feel me? Um, and it was imperative that, you know, like we were receive you know, and seen in the right light. I mean, so that's kind of like me. I'm, I'm still like that to this day. But, you know, um, you know, it's it's hard to know a lot without being seen as a know-it-all. Can you dig it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I can be, I can't, I can admit this. 
I could be a little controlling, but it's but it's always about the quality control. You know what I mean? As long as you know. Yeah, I, I know, I know. And it, it, it ends up being a nuisance <laughs> a little bit, but like it's for the greater good. You know what I mean? Like just try to make sure that we good. You know I mean? We appreciate the end yet. product. So. <laughs> See, Quest, that's who you yeah. gotta be for the you know what I mean? I know that. I know you can relate to that. I was gonna say I so I kind of caught hell, uh little hell on the on the on the internet about a month or so ago. Uh-oh. I did an interview, me and uh Pooh, we did an interview with my man uh Pizzo uh out of hip hop site out of Vegas, uh where we just were naming our favorite records and they would play the records, you know what I'm saying? We talk about it. And so one of the records that Pooh named was AT Aliens. And so mm. he brought up AT Aliens and we were talking about it, whatever. And they got on me because I said, well, now is it time to admit, and you don't have to weigh in on this, CeeLo, but this was just my thought. <laughs> Can we admit now that Soul Food was a better album than AT Aliens? Ooh. Oh, my God. Woo! <laughs> boy, <laughs> niggas, boy, niggas oh, oh. was hot. Jason just left the room. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> right. You, you, and you and know, the thing you, was, and, and what I want to tell you, man, like specifically just to you as an MC, you know, and let me be clear. I love ATL. I mean, that's a classic fucking record. Like, I love that album. But mm-hmm. for me, the way I came into Goody Mob, when I bought that album, first off, and I've told this story show before, like, I actually broke the law to, like, get y'all's album. Like, I drove. I ain't have no license. I'm driving to the rec store to buy soul food. <laughs> so, ah. I bought it. So, um, so I bought it, you know, man, so like when I first heard cell therapy, it was, that was kind of weird. I was like, okay, I, I like this. This is, it's kind of weird. And then the B sides, I had the, the, we had the single first and the B side was soul food on like the CD, you know? Single. Yeah. And so you had like soul food and I was like, okay, like they sing, I was like, okay. But then when I heard when that shit opened up with you singing and then going into thought process, I just Nigga. thought that was just such a crate like to open an album Dude. on such like a because most rap albums always started with like the hype that just hitting you over the head right that shit to just go into something just so like slow and meditate like that shit was fucking haunting bro but, i was like yo this record these niggas has got it i, and so, I will double down i will double down and say that the day i got the the cd yes. the, yeah. free free i, I show, need a reminder i'm sorry Free was so free was so to me. It was so I was so jealous that we didn't create some shit like that. (laughs) I think I spent a day listening to free on loop before I even got Pat uh, by day two. Then I went to thought process like the, the whole rest of the record. But to me, oh, man. That nah, that album, that shit, setting it off like that was amazing. And so the thing for me was when I heard Soul Food, that was for me just as an MC. I'd never heard anybody be that honest. Like, yes. Sometimes I don't even know how I'm gonna eat. About twenty dollars yeah. away from being on the street, I'm like, damn, these niggas is really spitting that shit. And then like your verse on Guess Who, like talking about your mom, yeah, and just you know what I mean. Like Ma- so when I heard Soul Food. I mean, by the time AT Aliens came around, I mean, I liked AT Aliens, but the initial punch, it kind of felt like y'all had beat them to the punch in terms of what I was looking for in the next Outcast album. Just the soul, the honesty, just right. everything. Y'all well, kind of beat them to the punch for, for me. Well, to be, t- to be totally honest, I will say this. Outcast has always been our flagship as far as Dungeon Family is concerned. 
mm -hmm. know, but we had always been fundamentalist, you know, and an even um, more effective, um, uh, um, well, example is, I, I've, I've described it as this. If, if Dre and Big were Chuck and Flav, we were the S1Ws. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know I what I'm saying? hundred <laughs> percent. That, that, that's, that's the relationship. You, you know what I mean? Like, even though uh, me, Big, and Dre are the same age, you know, um, mm -hmm. um, and I was supposed to be an outcast originally. Wow. Can you believe right. that? All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. How hard is it to to sell this concept and this idea in your own hometown? Because image wise, you guys aren't aren't what an outsider's view would think of as traditional Atlanta hip hop. Not at all. And yet you are. I mean, you're actually establishing it. Like how how open was the Atlanta natives into this concept? Was it like, oh, you guys are weirdos? Or was it like, yeah, well, I feel that shit too. I, or like, I, I'll say this. We were like the Zulu nation. You know what I mean? Like, let's say, um, when you know that Africa Bambada, you know what I mean? And the Soul Sunday Force were the black spades just, just mm -hmm. prior. You know what I mean? You feel me? It mm -hmm. was kind of like that. It's like, you know, everybody realized that we were using the opportunity for a greater good. We were not relishing in, you know, any of the wrongs that we were, you know, that we had done, you know, and that people knew and could have could have attested to. Like, you know what I mean? Um, you know, it's like, damn, like, you know, like if anything, we caught people by surprise because we were addressing uh, certain issues um, 
topically, trivially, you know what I mean? Like, you know, just trying to uh, expound upon who we were, you know, like as artists and as individuals, as men, as black men, as, as activists. Because I, mean, I always say that we were fighting for the civil rights of Southern hip hop at that time. You know what I mean? And, you know, we recorded Soul Food in Curtis Mayfield's home studio. So our icons, you know what I mean? Like they were alive and well, and we knew that they were watching. And we knew that yeah. we needed to do something um, of, with some reverence and some respect. Were and, you and, one and, of the and, writers on uh, on the? Did you say Curtis Mayfield on the New World Order album? The one? Did you co-write one of those records? The, I, um, no, I didn't. But the, some of the stuff that I wrote, it didn't really make it. But I was working at the time with with the OG Cool Ace. You know what I mean? Yeah, you mm. feel me? We, yeah, you remember? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for those, I got to shout out Cool Ace, man. Cool Ace. Who's Cool Ace? Um, yeah, get up, yeah. Cool Ace. Um, That's your uh, new nickname, Bill. <laughs> cool Ace was uh, Gibbs' lieutenant in the in the Nation of Islam mm. early. So, um, but then. He digressed and he became a bona fide pimp. Oh, okay, yeah, that happened. <laughs> Wait, how are you so open that? To that? Like, you yeah, was just like, hmm. and then he said, pimp. "Yeah, oh, okay, it makes sense." I, like, I wanted what? to see, you know, ordinary to see though. I just wanted, you know, that's normal. <laughs> so, so cool, but he's super duper duper talented, and I love Ace. He's he's a good guy. You know what I mean? He's still around. He's still alive. He's still. He's still around. He's like, he's one of those dudes like, uh, you know, he, he hosts the amateur nights at the strip clubs and stuff like that. That's his thing. But that's, you know, and that's not to, that's not to even be condescending. That's where he want to be. That's his community. You know, he's yeah. like, uh, that's, that's, that's what he loved. That's what he loved to love. And that's what he want to be. <laughs> you think wow. that since you guys came out in such a, what, because Atlanta also is such like a large college town, not just in a sense of like the AUC, but all this, the colleges there. Do you think that that attributed to, to some of the, the extra advantage that you had in, at home? It did. It did. And, and everybody was at that time because I, 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 I had struck an accord because it had given Atlanta an identity. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, um, Kangos and you know guest jean shorts and pom pom footies and Stan Smith. <laughs> mm. I don't know if y'all know what I'm saying. So it was that's how we dressed in Atlanta. You, you know what I mean? Um, so they hit the nail on the head with the imaging. Um, but you know, um, we we represented like an underbelly. You know what I mean? Like you know. Um, you know, and an attitude, you know what I mean? Like, and an aggression, I mean, and a progression, you know, because again, we, we felt like we needed to, we knew that we were in some regard, like frontlining, I mean, like, you know, for, for Southern hip hop to be counted, to be heard and to be respected. And so, you know, I believe that cell therapy, it won with, um, with Atlanta because it won with New York first. You know, what I mean, mm. like, that's the record that got us into the tunnel and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, and we yeah. out there, you know, um, freestyling with with the boot camp clique. And, you know, as I got to get to meet all of them early, you know, Ruck and Sean Price and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Strange Wonder. You know what I mean? Like, I, I was going to ask if you had any opinion or reservations about New York post 
that source moment for Outcast where the South had something to say. To be totally honest, can I tell you what I was distracted by? I heard the booze, but I wasn't really tripping off of it, man. Like it was like suspended animation on that evening. You know, there was a lot of tension because of the East Coast, West Coast thing, but us being neutral and us being acknowledged, you know, enough to even have been there and been in the building, I was kind of riding high on that. I had gotten some some outfit tailor-made for it, you know what I'm saying? And, and I'm gonna tell you something else that's really cool. Big Biggie Smalls was on the out was one of our first supporters. You know what I mean? Like he championed wow. us, you know, from the inception and off the top. Biggie Smalls first shows were opening up for us in Atlanta. You know what I mean? What? P- wow. Puffy, Smart. Puffy shot and directed Players Ball. He did Players Ball, yeah. For for, for Outcast. So we all started together. I almost signed to Bad Boy. What? Um, Andre Harrell was my mentor. I mean, like, and has been. Like, you know, so rest his soul. So with that, I still remember vividly when we were walking up on that stage, I heard the booze in my peripheral kind of hearing, but Mm -hmm. I got distracted by the sound of Big's voice sitting right there on the front row saying, yo, yo, CeeLo. You know what I'm saying? Right. Wow. Holling, holling <laughs> at me, you know, no. um, and showing us love and letting us know that he that he rocking with us. And I remember um, Outcast's first show in New York. We all went together as a crew, and we were performing. Um, I think it was. Do y'all remember somebody named called Grandma Funk? Oh my God, Grandma Funk, G R A M M A. I think that's I what I'm calling you. <laughs> That's your nickname, right. man. Oh, okay. damn, you pulled the blast from the past. Grandma yeah, so Funk. Who's up there for Grandma Funk, bro? Ah, oh, damn. So Big wow. them came out. And I'm Big, old, man. Big showed me love because Big was right there in front of the stage rapping every word to, to get up, get out with me. You know wow. what I'm saying? He, he showed me a lot of love. He showed me a lot of love. I was he even invited me to be on Ready to Die. I don't really know what ever happened with that. You know what I'm saying? Like, but I was completely naive and new to the game. I didn't even know what he was talking about because I didn't really know how to receive it or even appreciate the invite because Big wasn't big at that time. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, he he wasn't big. Yeah. Yeah. This was, but he was just still recording Ready to Die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This like yeah. Partying bullshit. Who's who's the man soundtrack? Who's the man? Like, yeah, soundtrack. Yeah. Now, My Ready to Die was a slow burn, man. It wasn't like a record that just did big numbers out the gate. Like, you're, it, you're absolutely it took a minute. Right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. You know what I mean? Like, because um, I didn't even really like partying bullshit all of the way. Like, I liked uh, the, the House of Pain record off that soundtrack. Right. Oh, uh, it was Who's the Man? But, oh, that's the Who's yeah. the Man? Oh, who's the Man? Okay. Yep, because yeah. yeah. I was, I was boom, into boom, Cypress Hill around that time. DJ Muggs, yeah. Yeah, DJ Muggs. So, that's what's up. It's safe. Oh yeah, that joint because y'all did a record on the. I love that record y'all did on them the Soul Assassin joint. I love Cypress that record. Hill, them the first homies that took us in when we went to L.A. So we all got tatted from Cartoon. You know what ah, I mean? Like, okay. You know, that's yeah. Dope. So uh, you know that that's why we be really down with the the brown and black. You know what I'm saying? Like making sure we keep the peace and we advocates of that because they they showed us nothing but love, man. Uh, be real, just did a song recently with with Cujo on one of his independent projects. So. The love is still there. It's remained, man, almost 30 years. Man, it was a, a producer y'all had on Soul Food. 
that I never saw on anything else. Mixo, His name's Mixo. The fighting. Mixo, he yeah, what, where, what's just, the deal with him? Dude, well, you know, we're in the process of doing another Goody Mob album right now, as we speak, okay. actually. And it's funny um, that Quest even asked that, that question of how we get songs done. And it's, you know, it's tedious, you know what I'm saying? You know, because like, you know, we're, we're older, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like, you know, everybody's entitled, you know what I mean? Like, you feel me? Um, but it's always been that kind of combustible kind of thing, you know what I mean? Like, you know, but <laughs> Mixo, Mixo was, um, he was Cujo and Timo's original producer. So he was producing the Lumberjacks. Okay. And, you know, they had a other couple of dope songs that were supposed to make the album, but they were in in a legal suit with their former management and they couldn't use that material. So, gotcha. you know, they, they, everybody just wanted to honor, honor Mitso because of that sound. And I just spoke to him the other day. I said, man, dude, you're the only other pro producer besides Organized Noise who made that original one, the OG. Straight up. I said, yeah. I said so therefore, you know, because I, I bumped into him. And I was like, yo, man, we got we, we to get on the same page. Man. I got to get you back in the mix, man. Like, it's only right that we acknowledge you. And he was dope. I mean, like, he remind, his, his stuff will remind you of RZA, all dark mm. and dusty and, like, <laughs> just dope. I mean, like, you know, so, you know, big Wu-Tang fan over here, too. And people, yeah. liking, us to the, people liking us to the Southern Wu-Tang and all of that. <laughs> yeah. P.S., I just Pretty thought of much. something, y'all. We need to put a bookmark on when the Goody Mob album comes out because... CeeLo, you don't know this, but we have been planning a trip to Atlanta to just grab everybody for Quest Love yeah. Supreme. Like, we was going to go see Rico. We was going to see Drama. We was just going to see everybody. But, you know, considering the time, I'm like, well, maybe when that album comes out, we'll all be able to come out the house and get the whole goodie. That would be dope. <laughs> we'll be if y'all want to. And touring with that record, which is the first time that we uh, toured together, um, explain that process because you guys used a band. You guys used... Uh, I mean, Joy was singing with y'all at that point. Like, yep. You guys had uh, Little John and the Chronicle as yeah. as your band. Like, were you guys always presented in kind of like I saw y'all as almost like new P Funk? Yeah, how y'all well, put it together? That that's funny that you said that. Well, we we got introduced to Little John and the Chronicle because we did. I think we did like maybe like a listening party or it was or a release party. At, at a club called Kaya back then in Atlanta. Yes, Frank Ski. Sorry. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Shouts out to Frank Ski. Um, and, and the Chronicle was the band. And it just kind of went over so well. You know, it just, it, it, I, I'm sure that it was management that suggested it at that time, you know, that we kind of go in the live direction. Um, and, you know, and, you know, that was all good. And then, you know, George Clinton, speaking of Parliament, he was one of our earlier uh, mentors and supporters too. He's the one that christened the Dungeon family as the young Parliament Funkadelic. So when you start seeing us breaking out with all of the outfits and stuff like that, <laughs> it, came, it came from him. You know what I'm saying? Because he he because he, he said you can't just say you're too exceptional. You have to be exceptional. That's why they call it a fashion statement. If you if you can speak there, then you can say less. You know what I'm saying? Shit. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I love it. And we went, we went, and obviously we went wild with that. <laughs> As you should have. Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Now I we learned it. from that. Oh, I was going to say for your, um, the second album for Still Standing, what happened with, well, I got a lot of questions about that album. So they don't dance no more. I love that fucking song. Mm -hmm. What, uh, what happened with Lil Will? Okay. So, 
uh, they don't dance. Um, the version that you hear is a replay, but the original version was done with the sample of uh, Aaron Smith's Dream On. Oh, so wow. So that's what that is. It's, it's really dream on, right? So little Will was a hoodster, you know what I mean? Like, you know, around Atlanta, super duper talented, you know what I mean? Like great voice. And he was signed to Organized Noise's uh, label imprint at Interscope, Organized Noise Records. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it was just it was just circumstance and inexperience that kind of uh, overshadowed, you know I mean, like all of the promise and potential that he had as an artist. But like, um, I just saw him recently, uh, maybe like a year ago, I had a birthday uh, party out here and um, he'll, he'll still hit my line every now and again, but like, he's just a real one. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, yeah, um, yeah. I, you know, um, cause he's, he's, that's him singing. So that's him icy. On the, mm-hmm. uh, it's, you know, on Gucci man and, and, um, and Jeezy's first breakout record together. So icy. That's Lil Will singing the record. Singing the hook, so you know we we responsible for a lot of careers, man. You know, like, and you know he he, he he's forever Dungeon family. On the um the the record uh, on still standing, just about over, just about like over. rock joint. Was that uh was that David Wild? Was that Wild Peach? Yeah, that's, that? David uh, Wild. That's, that's David Wild and Wild Peach. Rest in peace to Miss Peach. Peace. Yeah, you know, um, and David is still a, is he and still David, right? Rambling? Yeah, Dave. David still. Whenever Big go out and he take the band, he take he take uh he take Peach and he take Deborah Killings with him. He he's he's always kept them. That's what's up. And he, yeah, he's he's so solid for that. Well, you answered my gutter butter question, but also <laughs> I remember like up in Philly, like Beautiful Skin was also it for for every coffee shop joint I knew. That's yeah. right. That wound up on their mixtapes. <laughs> on the mixtapes for World Party, what was what was the chemistry with you guys in the making okay. of that album that was different from the first two records? Well, I tell you this, you know what I mean. Like it's never a problem, you know. I could I can rhyme cat and hat, you know what I'm saying? You know, so like <laughs> I can I can just still be, um, you know, I can just still come in and just do, you know whatever we doing. I'm saying, you know, but um let me try let me try let me try to let me try to give it some poetic justice. You know, I, you know, it's 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 documented that I had a great disdain for that project because, you know, you know, even though we were we were marginally, you know, successful, um, you know, at that point, you know, two consecutive gold records, um, you know, it it it's it's only right to I me mean, like that you want to go to the next natural progression and you know like and, you know and shoot for a higher mark you know what I mean mm-hmm. like so like you know um I think you know and I know that that was the ambition for the label which is why um for that for that third and you know um project with them um and final project with them it's the one where they wanted to come in and interject with their opinion about direction, you know, and things the of label that nature. Did. The face did. Yeah, so yeah, it was, yeah. can it was I like ask? Can I ask? Was Get Rich to This the last song recorded for that record? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, 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 Good it, night, it, ladies it and gentlemen. It's I did always, it again. Right. Thank you. <laughs> it was. It, it definitely was. I'm, and I'm gonna tell you why. Because it wasn't even our record. It was backbone. It was a backbone record. joint. Yeah. Wait. Well, what? For that's real? Why, that's what. That's why backbones versus first, and he's doing the hook. It was his record. It. It, it should have. 
it would have been a hit for him because Backbone is, you know, the Dungeon Family was comprised of, you know, um, you know, teachers and philosophers and, you know, hustlers and killers. Right. Everybody, everybody, you know, all that shit came with it. Them say, you know, but, you know, he was, you know, Backbone is one of our, one of our real live bona fide hustlers that come out, that come out of the, out of the crew that really represent on the street side. You know what I mean? Like, and we needed mm-hmm. that to make sure that all of the, all of the bases were covered. You know what I'm saying? So that would have been, that would have been a, a great record for him just as a solo record, but it was so hot or so we thought, you know what I mean? That, you know, it was organized noises, you know, decision to say, Hey, we're going to, we're going to take that record and then use the platform, you know, of Goody Mob, you know, to propel you for your solo effort shortly thereafter. You know what I'm saying? You feel me? Um, but yeah, man, you know, I, it didn't you know, fit. Like it didn't it fit, did, y'all. It didn't fit. Yeah, it, from nah, the fan was, side. Yeah, it wasn't for like, people. People were so disappointed, and I knew it. I mean, like if you want to go back and 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 dig up any of those bones, you will see. I said it out loud. I was very plain. Yeah. I was very, I was very frank. You know, I mean, about my disconnect with it. I'm almost like, man, this is not what the what the people want. And hey, man, you know, like, but hey, if we win, then we win. I'm saying, you feel me? Like. If we don't, I'm gonna move on. I'm saying, you feel me? But like, here's because, the thing, though. Technically, I mean, the album went cold. It did better. I, it sold it sold more records than, than any of the other ones. Damn. Than the other joints. Wow. Okay, so and it still didn't but, feel like a win to you. Well, but see, like, I guess at that time, Questman, real, really, bro, I wasn't even really money conscious or none of that. I wouldn't, I wasn't, I wasn't tripping off none of that. I'm just about trying to make history and everything I was doing was for the glory. You know what I'm saying? That's how mm-hmm. I saw it. I've, I consider myself a real live revolutionary. You know what I mean? Like, you know, that's what I wanted to, to live and die for. You know what I'm saying? You feel me? It would have been an honor. I mean, like, so that was my, my logic. And, and now in retrospect, you know, you know, I, sometimes I feel disappointed. I feel like, I don't know. I, I'm 45 years old. I survived. I mean, maybe, maybe I didn't, maybe I didn't cause enough damage or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that. You know what I'm saying? Um, is that real for me to say? No, that was starting it's... when your your career started with like cell therapy and shit. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So like, <laughs> like, like I look I look around at what we're living through right now. I'm like, God damn. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want. You don't fight. think that you make you you a influence, and especially some of these these young you know protesters and revolutionaries coming up. You don't think you the soundtrack oh, today? Mo- revolution. Oh, most. Most certainly, most certainly, I, I've, I've raised over a thousand sons. I'm sure that that's I all I'm saying, right? You know, and and I'm proud of that. And now I'm a decorated soldier, you know, um, and and high ranking officer. Like you know what I mean, like you know, so like I'm gracious, I'm gracious, and very humble. You know what I mean? But I'm just saying, like it's just a passion. You know what I mean? But yeah, and and um, it, and you know, of course, I mean it on an on, on an artistic front. You know what I mean, like you know, that's how I mean it. You know what I mean? I just want to do that shit that lasts. I mean, like you know, um. You know, I don't. I don't want to do. I. I, I don't want to do anything disposable or forgettable or whatever. So yeah, well, you know, well, well, let me have records. Look, I like uh, the dip. I thought like you, as a producer, that was the one. I was like, yo, this is. I thought so too. Now I tell you the truth about the dip. Timo bro, Timo produced the dip. Mm, and yeah, we were starting to, we were starting to venture out, but no, like I came in and I did all of those string arrangements and stuff like that, and uh, you know. And, you know, so, yeah, we, we were growing. And so, like, I, you know, I wanted all of that exuberant, you know what I mean, like, over-the-top mm-hmm. stuff that I ultimately went on to do. You know what I'm saying? You feel me? But, like, you know, it, it's, it's almost like people that, that, that start with you, 
you know, I hate to say it like this, but it's like people either almost either want you to be or expect you to be like poor righteous teachers. And I'm not just talking mm. about the group. I mean, literally, it's like, you mean, it's yeah. like, no, nah. right. but I'm like, but in my mind, I'm like, nah, like I'm too, I'm too, I'm too intelligent about music and about industry. It's like, I, I know better. You know what I'm saying? Like if, if you guys, and, and at that time, you know, cash money and no limit records, they were coming in and then they were showing how to, they were just, they were, they outworked everybody. Their output, mm. you know what I'm saying? Like was just immense. Like, you know, you couldn't really compete the motherfuckers was dropping so much music. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? Like they dropped so they much music. They have like music a double you, page in the source with all the albums they, coming out. They, like, they, all the they album are the covers. ones that, that, that changed the lexicon to where, you know, you they dropped so much material that you couldn't even call it music anymore. That you had to call it content. It was product, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So we couldn't, you know, we were still trying to make opuses and stuff like that. So we were taking two and three years to make an album and shit like that. But like, no, no, no. So we really couldn't compete. And so I think everybody just felt a certain kind of way. Everybody just wanted to be competitive at the end of the day and show that we weren't this straight laced, buttoned up, you know, like quartet of, of squares or, you know what I mean? Like, you know, mm-hmm. like that we were cool and we, we liked women and we, you know, we liked the party and other, and, and other kind of stuff, which was true. Like, like, we some of the biggest parties out there. <laughs> it's like, yeah. but at the time, the earthy, the earthy label was on folks too. It was like either yeah. you're earthy or you're shiny. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> so, yep, yep, yep. Sorry, you knew it was coming. You guys knew it was coming. You knew I was going to interrupt this moment to say that's the conclusion of part one of our interview with CeeLo Green. We'll come back next week for part two our interview with CeeLo Green and trust me part two we really get into it we get into everything where his life has been lessons he's learned journeys he's going to make and basically you know we get into it so please join us next week ladies and gentlemen for part two of our interview the one and only legendary CeeLo Green see you next week What's Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, 
even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.